Welcome to the Weekly Benefit Roast, featuring Benefit Indemnity Corporation's President, Roger Bain. Roger has devoted more than 30 years to understanding and developing innovative health benefits plans for large groups and groups as small as five employees. Our moderator is Bob Graham. Take it away, Bob. Hello and welcome to the July 1st edition. That's right, July 1st, already half the year is behind us. It's July 1st, 2019. And before we get started, since I always forget this, let me offer some housekeeping before we get rolling with Roger Bain. If you look to your right on your screen, you should, you should see a chat box. You can add comments, questions, or you can ask us to put you on the call if you're so able or so interested. And we'd be happy to take your comments or questions or any kind of discussion points. We really picture this as being more of a dialogue, not a monologue. Although Roger's happy to talk at length, he'd actually prefer to have some interruptions. So if you can find a way to interrupt us with something useful or thoughtful or your own experiences, we'd be happy to have them. With that, let me get started. We are going to talk about how you may actually be looking at the employee benefits process, the health benefits process, all wrong. You might be looking at upside down or from the wrong perspective. Now, if you're a small business owner, you may be saying that's not possible. I do whatever my broker tells me, but we're going to give you some hints for how you might be able to do it more easily and better. And if you're a broker, an insurance broker, you're going to want to stay on and pay attention because we have some ways that might change how you do what you do and you may derive a better result. So either way, no matter which group you fall into, I think you're going to like our discussion. Roger, why don't you show us and tell us how things might be upside down backwards or some other weird way and not what we think when it comes to employee health benefits? Wow. Well, Bob, I mean, we all do a lot of things upside down and differently, um, you know, just like our politicians do. I, I promised on a post earlier this morning that we're going to talk a little bit about the politics of healthcare and what's going on, but we'll come back to that if we need to, or if anybody wants to, you can kind of throw some stuff out. I think your subject matter is probably more pertinent to the audience that we have out there than the politics, because the politics right now is uh, fast and loose on healthcare. And on facts. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're throwing stuff out every which way, and who knows. So <clears throat> anyway. Let's deal with reality, shall we, Roger? Yeah, let's deal with the reality of what we have today. Today's market, we so often see a process that I, be, I did in my career in the early days, and most brokers are still doing in their career. They'll go out and they'll do a two-call sales process. They'll talk to the employer about all the great stuff they can do. They'll collect a census, and they'll say, let me go out and get some proposals. Can you describe a census real quick in case someone might not be familiar with that term? You use it a lot, and I want to just make sure well, we're clear. Yeah, the census is basically the, the listing of employees and the critical data you need in order to quote a group health insurance plan. So it's going to be the company name and address, the industry that they're in, where they're located. Demographics. Demographics then with the age, okay. gender, dependent status, things of that nature. Now, over time... The requirements on that census have changed. And the reason they've changed is because small group reform, for starters, removed gender rating and health rating and even location rating down to four quadrants of a state 
in Maryland and down to regions in other states. Subsequently, the ACA eliminated the health questions for small groups in fully insured plans for every state and eliminated gender and added, however, one of the challenging things now is dependence. <clears throat> so now you have what we call a dependent level status or a member level census. And that member level census means you have to include mom and dad and the three kids and all the detailed information on each of those three kids. So the census is in one way more cumbersome and other ways less cumbersome than yesteryear. But in essence, it's basically the demographics of the group that you need in order to generate a quote. And to get health insurance, you've got to have that, correct? Well, yeah, you got to have something. You can't just guess at how much it should cost, right? Yep. So that's how that works. Now, it's interesting that you bring that up today because that's a really good point in what we're talking about. You know, a broker, many, many times, the very first thing the broker will do, generate a census and go out and get quotes, right? So you meet the business owner, you go out, you get that census so you can go to four or five companies and figure out who's going to have the best rates. Right. And you and, and oftentimes you build a spreadsheet and you try to do apples to apples comparisons, but you try somehow to differentiate yourself as the broker why I should be the one that this company should do business with to buy their benefits. So you're paying X dollars a month right now. I can use a different carrier and get you a lower rate. So you should go with me. Right. Or I am better at talking to your employees or I do more customer service than the other guy or he doesn't pay attention to you or he doesn't play golf with you every Wednesday, third Wednesday of every month. Who knows what? Okay. But there's this process in, in the relationship building and in sales that invariably for 30 years has begun with a census. Right. First call. Your major objective, number one thing, is to leave that appointment with that census because without it, you can't go quote. And you know this, Roger, because you've actually trained some people on this process well, at it, times, right? Well, Going I, way back. Sure. I was trained, and then I've trained, and I've done it. First, I've done it. Then I trained, and then I observe. And what I observe, even to today, is many brokers, their number one objective in that first appointment is, I got to get a census or I can't even give the guy numbers and I can't show him how cool I am without having numbers. Okay. Right. I got to have this something. Makes sense. Sure. I have to have something to show the employer. Have to, uh, here's how I can do better. Right. So here's the problem though. We get a census. We send that out to get quotes. Nowadays, that's relatively quick because of all the computers and the exchanges and, and in our market in Maryland, the TPAs are real fast at it. Other states, it's still the broker getting multiple quotes, putting it together. Um, but even in other states, there's more of those. You know, you've got the benefit malls of the world and the national players that are quoting everything in one place, which is nice, but it generates a pretty standard format. Now, most brokers then put that format into something they like to add their own flavor to. Maybe a spreadsheet, a folder, or some spreadsheet, sort of branding, folder. Document. Yeah, you know, a couple of inserts about how great their agency is and why we're better than the next guy, etc. So what that means is you're usually scheduling your second appointment. Hey, Roger, let me just break in and tell you. Joe uh, says that he's a small business owner and he gets these all the time. So 
apparently okay. we're speaking truth here. Well, yeah, and that At happens. least for Joe. We, we try not to make this stuff up. Anyway, so, so here's the process, right? This is all logical. It seems normal. Let's go out and get the census, get the quotes, and then we can put the quotes on the table for the employer, and the employer can decide which health plan he would like to purchase for his employees. And then, therefore, he can give out the applications or send them online to enroll in the applications and get all that finished up. Now, invariably, the broker takes a little while to get the census together into quotes, convert the census to quotes. Sometimes the employer will take a week to get the census to you. And then you get your census and you go out for quotes and that takes another week. And then your team is putting together in your flavor and that takes whatever time it takes. So a couple of weeks have transpired before your second appointment. And on your second sales call, you're going back out to the employer to impress him with all of the things you know. Now, I trained, as you mentioned, a lot of brokers over a lot of years. And one of the things we always trained is in the first appointment, you need to ask your client or your prospect what they want to hear. <laughs> because then, I like this. This because, is fun now. Because then you can go back on your second appointment and tell them what they want to hear. Now, so I know I that want, sounds I want, pandering, but so in a way me, it's not. Let me break that down a bit. I'm a small business owner. You ask me a question and I say, I want my rates to go down by 20%. You're telling me if I said something that specific, you'd try to be able to come back and tell me that. Sure, I tell them how to get there. Okay. So unless they're already buying the absolute cheapest option in the world, then we can probably find a variation, right? And, and usually that's not really what their answer is. Usually their answer is, well, I need a good network or I need this or I need that. And, and it all boils down to what we've said in the previous meetings. Keep my employees happy, do it for less. Okay. But employers all have their own philosophy. So one of the questions I frequently would ask in a sales call is tell me about your philosophy about health insurance benefits. And the number one answer was, what do you mean? And I said, well, it's easy. Some employers want to take care of these employees like they're their own children and they're going to cover every Band-Aid. And other employers say, hey, they're on their own, but I want to make sure they don't lose their house and their car if something happens. Okay, those are okay. two extremes. Exactly, and so, so you need to draw from the employer what really, what their perspective is. Because if you come back generating proposals through this whole process with something that saves the 20%, but is a benefit plan he would never buy, you lose anyway. So, so it's really about learning is that first call. And then second call, you can take what you've learned and model it, tailor it, and deliver a message that you know already the employer wants to hear. So it sounds like a very logical and normal and crafty sales process. And replicatable. It's pretty easily, simple. I, easily duplicable. You can do it every day. I think I could do it pretty easily all day long and not have to think real hard about it. You could. However, here's the problem. You have that time lapse to get all this stuff and get out for the second sales call. Meanwhile, your competition is working against you in the same time frame. 
And then you have to debate whether I want to be the last one in to propose or the first one in to propose, right? And if you're the first one in to propose, you want to do a benefit dump. You want to tell them all the great innovations there are in the business and how you've contemplated every single one of those so that anybody comes in behind you, well, they have already heard that from me. Even though this is geared towards small business owners, you are giving some gold away to brokers just in the way you're well, thinking through in, in the reality, this is good for any sales industry. I mean, yeah. it's really kind of what it's about. But Oh, wait. Uh, Roger, Pat is telling us that she, too, is a small business owner. And I wish you were describing what I'm what I get from my broker. But all I get is a simple quote, do this and renew. Well, Pat, you can always find a new broker. <laughs> and I'm sure there's some online I could refer you to here. Um, if you want to give us a call when we're all done, if you don't like your broker, we can certainly well, marry you to another big broker. But you hear that all the time. That's now. not an uncommon dilemma. And that's, I hear and, it and, as well. And forgive me, because that's not really what this call is about, is to switch brokers or any of that stuff. We're just trying to make sure everybody understands what goes on out there. The, the reality is that this process albeit really good for the broker in some respects, it's really vulnerable in other respects, and it is outrageously antiquated. Okay. Okay. And here's what happens, and this is why. So you get that time lapse to get the proposal in your second call. You meet with the employer, whether you're the first in or the last in, who knows. But if you're the first in, he's got another week and a half meeting with the other brokers. Right. Yep. If you're the last in, you didn't get there yet. Right. So you're now just getting there and hoping he's going to make a decision the next day because he's already talked to the rest of the people. So if you're last in, your mission is to win him over right then. But if you're quoting all the same stuff that the other guys quoted, you, you know, you don't have much of a shot anymore. So the market's changed a lot. There's it's not like the old days when there's 40 different options. You know, now there's three or four. And they're heavily regulated. And to get more options, you turn to the self-funded market and dig a little deeper. But still, a dozen, right? Correct. So it's not like 50. So as you go out there, what happens is, number one, you're vulnerable during this first appointment and this second appointment. You're vulnerable to your competition completely. But let's put that aside for a minute because you're really good. You're good at what you do. And you have confidence that they're going to hear you out. So you make your final presentation. The employer, I won't say never, and I won't even say almost never, but the employer often takes time to contemplate. You don't close the final decision in that meeting. Oftentimes the employer will say, okay, I've got it all. I'm looking at this and this and this, but I need a little time to really think about what I've seen and what I've heard. And even if it's just whether I want to offer plan A or plan B from the same insurance company, right? So they might have decided whose proposal wins, but they're still not what's not sure what strategy they want to use, whether they want to add an HRA or who knows what. So here goes another problem. The employer is a little bewildered, a little overwhelmed, and has decided instead of making a decision right there in front of you when all the information is there, but he's going to make it on his own after you walk out and 13 out of 15 things are forgotten within 10 minutes, right? So now that decision process is prolonged. It's also out of your control. 
if you're the broker. And it's out of your control. But that's not even the issue here. What, what the real issue is now, we're four weeks into this. Now, if you know most employers in the small group world, they don't even want to talk about health insurance benefits until they have to. Reluctantly, right? even then. Reluctantly, even then. So when they get their renewal notice, maybe then they're thinking about it, but they're still hesitating. So if you've been into this process already for four weeks, where are you and how close are you to the deadline for their effective date? And then you're making a decision that you're going to move everybody from carrier A to carrier B, and nobody's filled out any paperwork yet. And there's a stack of paperwork at that point. Well, probably. You know, in some cases, we have electronic capabilities from the TPAs, and that's good for those that are already on the plan. But you might need a few new ones, or you might need to put it on new paper. They can do that electronically. Great. If they can't, you're filling out paperwork. Okay? So, so here's the challenge. What we've done is we pushed right up to the deadline, and we're crushing the employer with this deadline. Now, expand that deadline even more now because in today's market the advent of small group self-funded plans growing and getting more and more popular means there's now a half a dozen at your fingertips of small group self-funded plans that are quoting in the mix and to do that the application has to be completed with medical questions in most cases now that means whatever you have on file is worthless. You've got to get that enrollment done and you got to go through that underwriting process. In fact, underwriting is a, a CE class we're going to be doing this summer during a CE day where we're going to do an hour just on underwriting so brokers can kind of get a refresher because we've been away from it so long since the ACA and we're going to go back to talking about underwriting so we can understand what to look for and what we're going to be feeling from all these self-funded slash level funded players in the marketplace. But that's a side note. And employers, you're welcome, even though you don't need the CE for your license, if you'd like to learn about that, that's fine as well. Can, can I jump in and ask something while you're taking a short break there, Roger, just to collect your thoughts? You said that you're pushing, this whole process is pushing that deadline closer and closer, and you have the employer who wants to offer benefits is getting pushed up to that wall. But it's not just him, right? Because with this model that you've gone through so far, then he or she has to get his or her employees to fill out their paperwork, right? All going up to that deadline. And I don't get the feeling that most employers can get their employees to do this in like an hour. Well, see, that's kind of the problem. And that's what I was saying about with the advent of needing medical information on the applications. Now, whatever we have in electronic enrollment forms have to have that. Okay. And, and most of the current conventional systems don't have that, number one. And number two, they got to be refreshed. They got to be new medical and current medical information. So even if they had it last year, they got to get it again. So the reality is the water is going to go over the dam. Well, the, we're always at a crisis mode in this business and everybody hates it. Or last minute, last minute, last minute. When's the last day I can get it in for an effective date? Can I come in a day late? Roger, can you do this? I need to, here I am on the 10th of the month writing coverage for the first of the month, 10 days late. Right. When am I going to have my ID cards and my drug card? You know, <laughs> and, and so everybody's in a mess and we're we're in a stressed out crisis mode way too often. And some of you out there might be really good at this and you're avoiding this and, and congratulations to you. But I have a question from one of our guys on the line. 
Dave asks a question. How do you feel about getting employees involved in the decision-making process? And what are the pluses or the minuses of employee input at this stage? And let me tell you an old adage that I've used for years. And this turned out for all of you that want to steal it. And if you're a small small business out there and you're hearing this, then forgive me, but I hear it all the time. There's one thing that you need to know about employees. An employee demands of a small business owner the very best benefits that that business owner's money can buy. However, the minute you make it the employee's decision, he'll buy the lowest common denominator because it's his money. The minute you make it the employee's money, right? It's funny you say this, Roger, because I worked on a committee at one of my employers years ago where we were to pick the benefits and we did exactly what you described. We started with the list of things we wanted to have happen, what we wanted covered and how we wanted it to be. And at the end, we chose the least expensive option for the employee dollar by dollar. Oblivious right. to the employer's issue, it was the employee contribution that ultimately we cared about. Right. So the lesson, in my opinion, is bringing employees in for this decision-making process is a kiss of death. They don't have the experience, the wherewithal, the knowledge, or the budget constraints that the employer has when they're spending somebody else's money. So the decision at that point from the employees is going to be different than it is when they look at their enrollment sheet and tells them how much their contribution is. And all of a sudden they wanted the best benefits money can buy as long as it's the employer's money. But when it's their own money, they want the cheapest thing they can get. And those, those terms don't reconcile well during a decision-making process. So, so Dave, my, my vote would be keep the employees out of an employer business decision on how he wants to provide benefits. So, but a great question kind of, and really great yeah. discussion. One that I'm glad we, I wouldn't have thought to have that discussion. I think it's really insightful for both brokers and small business owners about the role of employees in this process. So Roger, I can't take it anymore. Clearly, you told me this morning that this whole process was upside down. You've gone through what the traditional process is. Can you walk through for us an alternative that you believe is better for all yeah, involved and in why? I, I can, Bob. And let me tell you a couple of things about this alternative before I even tell you. Number one is it reduces or eliminates that salesperson's vulnerability between appointment one and appointment two, which is huge. Yep. If you're in sales and you eat what you kill, as we say, right? I, I know when I started in this business, I would I would sit with my wife at the bar and, and grab one of those little square napkins and a pen and count up my $62 commissions on each group to see if I can pay the rent this month, right? And so we're all out there trying to do a good job and survive doing it. So that vulnerability is a stress point for brokers. And, and frankly, it's a stress point for an employer Yeah. to have to then ultimately look at three proposals from three different brokers, all with the same insurance companies on them, all with the same rates on them, and then decide which broker he's going to select based upon an interview process that is radically flawed 
because a broker can tell you anything he wants to tell you. Right. Right. So let's set the broker apart. The broker wants to be differentiated. Right. So let me ask you something. Why are we enrolling employees after we've made a benefit decision? Because if I'm thinking this through, what you're suggesting is that if you're enrolling the employees after you've made the decision, you're not getting the full benefit of that enrollment because that would better inform you as to what the risks are. Is that correct? Well, there, there's a couple of things. First of all, why, if, it, if it's something that needs to be done, okay, why wait till the end of the process to do it? Number one. Okay, that makes sense. Number two, if it's something that needs to be done and creates value, why add that value at the very end instead of at the very beginning? Okay, that makes sense as well. And number three, if you can use it to eliminate the two-call sales process and get enrollment started right away, how many small employers, and, and many of you are out there, how many of you are going to start enrollment with a broker? Get your employees enrolled and then switch streams and go to another broker while enrollment's halfway through. That would be crazy because you'd have to go back to square one. Right. Just doesn't make sense. Okay. So it does really differentiate the broker. Well, it differentiates the broker radically. And the reason is because the broker can now add a value added. The difference from 1986 when I started in the business to today is that we have the technology that you can do enrollment today because you don't have to know which insurance carrier it is anymore. You don't need to know what you're selling to start enrollment today. Start enrollment now because enrollment is digital and I can put it on anybody's paper. So we collect the data now when the decision is made, we transfer the data to the appropriate enrollment forms for the appropriate company in whatever format they need it. Okay. And you're not nearly in that crisis mode of pressing up against deadline anymore because when the employer is ready to make a decision, most of the rest of the work is done already. So this is what's really important. So the other side is the, the client might say, well, why should I start enrollment with you? I was just thinking that. Right? Well, I, I've got two other brokers to talk to. Well, here's why, Mr. Employer. I need you to start enrollment today because we're going to give you something for that enrollment. We're going to give you actionable intelligence. There was an old day when you would fill out all this information and you would give it to an insurance company and they would either say yes no, or they'd give you a higher rate, a new number. And that's all they'd give you. And you'd say, why, that's a bait and switch. It's terrible. Why in the world did I get a 20% increase from you quoted this and all of a sudden you want 20% more? That's not fair. Well, doesn't sound fair, but maybe it is. The problem and what's not fair is that you've done all of that work, Mr. Employer, to compile all of that data for the insurance company and they don't share with you why you got that 20% rate. So my suggestion is turn this thing upside down by going to enrollment first because with that enrollment, you're gonna provide a group risk assessment. 
you're going to provide a full-blown report. Number one, they get a free electronic online line enrollment. Number two, they get a full report that talks about a detailed breakdown of the demographics of their group, comparing them to the national demographics. They get an information on all of the current medical conditions in the group. And yeah, it's all de-identified. We're not pointing out Mary or John or Bill. That goes deeper the than the census then? Oh yeah, this is real information about the risk in the group and the health status of the group. Okay even down to projecting prescription drug costs in the group based on what's admitted on all these enrollment forms by the employees. Okay. So now we know, I mean, if you get a six life group and you just find out that they have $22,000 worth of prescription drugs every month, and, and don't laugh at that, that's actually happened. You know that their rate's not gonna hold on your preferred rate self-funded plans, right? That group is gonna be most appropriate in the fully insured business. The best answer for though, or the best news about that is, oh, that's okay. You got the data, you fill out the right application and you send them in. You, you can submit the case and you're done. So the point is when you bring real valuable data to an employer, they can then make a decision on which direction to go with valid information instead of blind trust. It sounds like what you're saying, Roger, is they're getting uh, a fuller picture of the situation than what the census would offer, because the census seems like it's very high level and very brief. And what you're describing, if you've got the prescription trends and all that built in and the number of employees and what health conditions, that would really make a difference as a small business owner in looking at your costs. You can project that cost more reasonably. Now you are in self-funded, Roger. So this this sounds like it's stacked in your favor in some ways, but what you're telling me is sometimes the cases actually do work better in traditional fully insured products. And when you do this information and meet with the person, the brokers that work with you would describe that situation accurately and say, this is the way you should go, correct? Well. Yeah, that's correct. And, and when you say stacked in my favor, I'd say not necessarily because self-funded yields far less than half of the small group business today, right? So market share wise, it's certainly not in my favor to do only self-funded. We do that for a reason. We're just, it's what we do for a lot of reasons, but we'll get to that another time. The, um, but what's really, really important for everybody out there to remember, and the small employers online are going to relate to this, I believe, is that they don't care what they're buying. They care that you keep their employees happy with their benefits and do it for less. That's what they care about. That's the mission of a small employer. Just like Mr. ABC Drywall, when he's buying drywall, it's got to be just as good as anybody else's drywall, but a little cheaper on the price. When he's buying spackle, it's got to be smooth, can't have lumps in it, and it better be the same price or better than the other guy, or don't even think about calling on me. Well, their health plan's the same way. They want a health plan that's going to be smooth and lump-free, <laughs> and they want to get it for less because that's how they drive their business. This is how you run a profitable business. You take your key components of overhead and you get them for less. And that way you can do fewer jobs and make more money. And that way you're not working on Saturdays and Sundays and Monday nights and the whole works 
and losing quality time with your family because you're worried about lumps in your drywall and your in your spackle. So the reality is that's the goal of the employer. The employer doesn't care whether he's self-funded, level-funded, fully insured, or some Christian prepayment health plan, as long as he knows it's going to do the job. Now, some of those might not do the job for some employers, and some of those might do the job. That's part of what the role is of doing a group risk assessment. If you pitch the group risk assessment in your first call and you talk to an employer, and, and again, to the employers online, I'm, I'm talking about inside track sales stuff, but it's important for the employer to recognize what's truly a sales pitch and what's real. And an employer could ask for this, right? Sure. They could ask you or they could ask a broker. Absolutely. So, so the point is, an employer that fills out a whole bunch of information for one of the big insurance companies and gets nothing back but a yes, a no, or a number has been taken advantage of. He's put together all that work. He's taken his employees' time and energy. He's gotten this process done. Where is the value for him other than maybe one good rate from one good company, right? The value is in knowing what you have, right? Well, you've got to know what you have because if you don't, you can't exercise any strategy whatsoever. And the strategies aren't just rates and coverage. It could also be wellness programs that you put into place. It could be telephonic medicine. It could be a variety of things, right, Roger? Well, yeah, and it could be high deductible versus low deductible, okay. or it could be HSA versus not HSA, or it could be a health reimbursement arrangement because you've got 27 guys and they're all healthy but one. Why do you want to buy a $1,000 deductible for everybody when only one guy is going to use it? You can buy a higher deductible, save enough money to help out the one guy that does use it with an HRA, and all of a sudden you're golden. And you know that you have 26 good and one bad because you've gotten your risk assessment. You've gotten a report. You've done the study. But most often the insurance companies don't share with you the results of the study. They give you a score. And the score is win, lose, or pay more. And that score sucks. We want to know why. And that's the information that you get. So let's talk about this. <clears throat> Virtually every time, and I'm not going to say every time, but almost every time I talk to an employer with a broker and we sit down in that first appointment and we talk about a group risk assessment and learning about the group, engaging what's really going on in the group so we can develop a really good strategy. Instead of saying, give me a census, nine out of 10 times, we begin enrollment immediately following that meeting. Wow, that's amazing. So if you can start enrollment at that point, Bob, who's going to break past you between that first appointment and the second appointment? Nobody, because the employer understands what you're delivering is something different. It's something new. It's something that makes more sense. And with today's technology, there's no reason to put it last anyway. And in fact, if I was a broker today, I would never get a census. I would get enrollment and come back with rates later. Why do you need a census to get a bunch of rates that don't mean anything? 
until you get your final enrollment done. Complete your final enrollment, do the group risk assessment, get the best quotes you can, then pull the trigger and you're finished. So there's a big difference today. The combination of technology, the ACA, and the advent or the, the advent of the accelerated growth of small group self-funded brings us to a different place today. And if we're in a different place in the market, we can't stay in the same practice, right? We can't keep our sales practices and our benefit practices and what we do for an employer the same as they were 20 years ago when the entire market is upside down. So if the market is upside down, we've got to turn the process upside down to match it. That's what we miss so many times today. We've got another question on screen. It says, should the employers take ownership of their own data and demographics versus relying on the agent or broker to do it for them? Well, they could. You could have the employer take ownership of it, or you could share ownership with it and let the employer to be a little bit more arm's length. Most employers don't really want to know that Mary's got a bad eye and Bill's got a bad foot and John has an ingrown toenail. They don't want to know any of that stuff. Also seems like a liability to have it. Uh, it's, it's a liability. In your office in it's, a file. Well, it's a liability to have it in an office in a file that's not protected properly. That's absolutely true. Or on a computer. <clears throat> or on your own computer. That's correct. So put it somewhere that's already got the security protocol built. That's one thing. And the other thing is don't give all the details about who's got what. You give a global report that say, here's the picture of your group. We have a group of 23 have diabetes, four have high blood pressure, two right. of them have back problems. Right. And you got two cancers, but one is 18 years old, so not worried about it. The other one's six years old and it's still out there, but maybe not a big deal. And then you've got these prescription drugs that are being utilized. They cost $2,200 a month. And nothing is right? tied and directly to an employee. Nothing's tied directly to an employee. So what we're doing is we're gathering data so that you can make an appropriate recommendation. You mentioned earlier wellness programs. If you have a group that has 56% of their people have hypertension, you got to do a worksite education program and get these people adherent to a treatment regimen for high blood pressure. Right? So you don't know that if you don't get your data back. And that could so, lower your costs over time, correct? Oh, absolutely. So, so Dave, the answer to your question is you, you want the employer to have ownership of it, but you don't necessarily want him to have to do that entire repository themselves. So that's a really key compart component to that. So, so, Roger, we're getting near the end. We've covered a whole lot of ground. And if someone has been listening to this and they are thinking, boy, I should go back and listen to this again. I'm going to tell you right now, I plan to listen to this again because I think there are some really good sales gems. There are some really good small business owner, how you run your business gems, some gems about insurance, both the traditional method of sales and this new method, this upside down method where you turn things around. And I also think there's some really interesting uh, tidbits through the process of this just about how to lower rates. So we've covered a whole lot of ground. Is well, there anything you think we missed? It's funny, Bob, because you talk about a lot of sales gems in here. And, and as you probably know, <laughs> you of all people, I'm not typically your typical sales guy. I'm a highly technical guy. I'm not a relationship sales builder. I kind of deal with the facts and I deal from a technical level. I'm not that warm and fuzzy. Um, <laughs> yes, I do know that. <laughs> I know you do. And so from my perspective, 
it's less about sales and more about delivering the customer a service they want. I'm not talking about basic customer service. I'm saying deliver to the customer the service that they want. And is it what they want or what they need? Because what I think you described in the well, last half hour is what they need. They need to know more information about where their employees are with their health so that they can get better rates. Right. But by saying it's what they need, yeah, it's a semantic argument. It is what they need, whether they know, know it, or it or not is the question. And so that's what we help elaborate them. And frankly, for the guys out there that are in the, in the professional health insurance brokerage market, knowing these things will deliver you more respect and more loyalty from your customers because it actually does work better. So I've got a question on screen. It says, how do we get an employee to enroll blindly, not knowing what he's getting? Well, that's a really good question and thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> Who'd that come from, Roger? This came from Michelle. Michelle, thank you. That's, that is a brilliant question. I wish I'd thought of it myself. Right. Well, the bottom line is you talk to the employer and when we set up our stuff in our system, we will set up an enrollment portal for the employer. We'll send out a welcome letter. We'll give the employer a sample memo that we believe he should cover with it. And he distributes that to all of his employees. It gives them the information to log in, et cetera. And you have everyone do it unless they're an absolute waiver. You know, I'm still under 26, dad works for the government, or my husband works over here, or my wife works over here, and I'm not leaving those benefits. You know they're a waiver, they're a waiver. Everyone else, you get to complete the enrollment. The only piece of the enrollment they haven't finished is whether they're picking plan A, B, or C, low deductible, high deductible, if the employer is offering multiple options. So the employee is enrolling all of his demographic and health information, Michelle, but not necessarily picking the benefit choice today. We do that in the last day. And we oftentimes just get a list from the employer. We don't even, you know, a lot of times the employer will say to employees, you can go back on and make your selection now. And the employees just like send it in an email and we get a list and you know, an Excel spreadsheet, et cetera. So we, the, the real key is the employee is enrolling for health benefits in a way that gives the employer the advantage to find that employee and the rest of the employees the very best deal that they can find. Now, I hope that answers your question, Michelle. And if not, feel free to send out a follow-up. And you don't get employees balking at this from the brokers you're talking to, right? Sure, we do. Sure, we get one out of 100 balking at it. Okay. Uh, big deal. You know, the reality is every once in a while we'll get an employee who says, this is a privacy question. You can't ask, ask this question. I'm like, well, sorry, but you unfortunately don't know the privacy rules under HIPAA. We can ask this question and, and we're asking it. So if you want benefits, you have to fill it out. And if you don't, you're welcome to sign a waiver. And I know, again, I'm not warm and fuzzy. That's not a warm and fuzzy approach. And most HR people have challenge with that approach, but most other people don't. Most small business owners and even larger business owners, you know, if you're in that market between five and 150 employees, they're doing what they have to do to drive their business to success. And so they're going to talk to their employees and say, if you want your benefits, complete the enrollment process. I, I also think, Roger, one of the appeals to an employee, if I'm an employer, maybe this is in your memo that you suggested them, is we want to get the best rates possible for you and for our business. So giving us this information early on helps us better figure out the right fit for our company. It's absolutely correct. 
and and that to me makes perfect sense. I never thought about that until just this and, that, minute, and that's but, all stuff that's in that employer memo that we're sending out and, okay. and, and the welcome letter that gives them the instructions. And so it's a pretty simple process from that point. And, and that process isn't super exclusive. There are other people that have the process. It's how they use it. We haven't seen anybody else in the country that really delivers this group risk assessment to every employer that completes the process so that they really know what why and where to go. Well, it's now, amazing. Roger, now you beg the question, if I'm an employer and I'm listening to this or watching this webinar, can I actually contact you and do one of these group risk assessments with one of your brokers so that we can well, see for ourselves? First of all, let's let's talk about where we are in the slides. You got a link on the bottom of your screen. Dana's going to send it out to you in the chat box, which makes it even easier for you to do because you can just click on the link. But you've all earned your $5 cup of coffee. Um, so next time you join us, you can have a cup of coffee in hand on us. So please go to that little link on the bottom of the slide that you see on your screen now or in the chat box. You can click on it from there. If it's there, it's sure enough it is at 416. So when you click on that, you fill out a quick form and we will send you your $5 coupon for a cup of coffee. $5 coupon happens to have a picture of Lincoln on it. So it's pretty easy to use. Um, but hey, but, I yeah. just got that. You just got that. <laughs> totally well. So so the reality is what I'd like you to do is, is fill out that form, get your cup of coffee and join us again next time because we, we like to keep these things as stimulating as we can. And frankly, Dave and Michelle, we appreciate your questions and your input. We consider that input. We would let you talk. But unfortunately, when you have that many people on a webinar, the background noise becomes very prohibitive. So we have to just kind of keep the ambulances and the paper shuffling out of the mix, but I thank you for typing in your questions and getting them to us. And, and somewhere you had a question I was supposed to answer here. Yes, Roger, I had a question. If someone, if I'm a small uh, a business owner and I've been listening to this and I go, wow, I really would like to do this, this process and figure it out so I can have the information I need to make better employee benefit decisions, what's the next step? Well, the, the very first step is obviously call your broker, and I've kind of changed my tune on this. And there's a number of brokers on this call that I know and know well and that are friends. So don't take offense at this because there's a whole lot of brokers that aren't you. And and you have to not ask an employer. Employer has to not ask their broker for something. The employer has to demand their broker get this done. Because too many brokers, for whatever reason, don't seem to want to do the little bit of extra work it takes to find out what else is available in the marketplace. And so if you're an employer out there, demand that your broker get this done, or just call me and we'll introduce you to a broker that will. And again, my name is Roger Bain and I'm at 443-275-7412. And I'm sure any one of the friendly brokers on this call that listens to me would love to have your business. So give me a call, we'll match you up with somebody in your area and, and your personality or whatever you need to help you get the job done. And if there's brokers out there that need more information or want to get started, again, 443-275-7412 is the direct line to my desk. Don't forget to get your uh, coffee coupon. And Bob, let me ask anything one else? More, yeah, one more question. If I were to go through this process of doing this group risk analysis, I am not locked into anything for me or my employees at that point, correct? No, you're not. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Um, uh, just and and that is a free service that is provided through your 
company, correct? It is a free service provided by our company and frankly, at considerable expense to us. We are paying, every time somebody touches that electronic portal, we're paying the cost for our vendors and our back office support to manage that. We do an awful lot of telephone support and we help a broker manage a case from the initial contact all the way through case installation. So we're there for you. And even when we don't sell the case, if we do everything we can and we can't help that broker, we're gonna let them go to the fully insured market and we'll give them the data that we've collected so that they can use it to benefit their customer. This is not about capturing somebody and locking them in. This is about providing a very valuable service and just to get what we do out there to do the best. Okay, I'm glad you shared that because I could see someone thinking that this was just one of those lead magnets that didn't really lead anywhere, but it looks like it takes it gives the owner a great deal of information that they can use to really tailor their business in a new way that might save them a lot of money and might make for happier and healthier employees, which is a win-win-win to me. Well, I agree, Bob. It's just, it is unfortunate that the ACA has done a couple of things. Number one is- Oh, we got back to politics. Well, I knew we well, could do it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just created so many more regulations and so many more compliance issues, number one. And then number two, when everybody was trying to avoid a lot of those or postpone it for a year, everybody moved to early renewals. So they started renewing all their health plans in November, December, January. So now the last quarter of the year is where 90% of the renewal business seems to happen. And everybody's way too busy to, to do all the work they'd like to do for the customers. So my message, start 90 days early. Anytime you do these group risk assessments, the data we collect is good for 90 days. Why wait? Enroll first, get her done. And frankly, you'll keep your existing clients happier and you'll steal more from the other guy. Okay, well, with that, Roger, I think we should close. I want to thank everyone for listening and for your contributions. Thank you, Roger, for covering so much ground. Uh, have a happy 4th of July. I know you have a big party that uh, I've been to a couple of times. You can picture Roger in a uh, red, white, and blue um, flag Speedo serving yeah, hot dogs right. and hamburgers. <laughs> and if you can keep that image in your head for any amount of time, Please I don't. apologize. Please don't. Um, you don't have to worry about the Speedo, but certainly not the looks of the hamburgers. Yes, happy, have a happy 4th of July, everyone. One of my favorite holidays, and, and uh, God bless America, and thank you all for joining us today. Have See you, everyone. Day. You've been listening to The Benefit Roast, a weekly discussion sponsored by Benefit Indemnity Corporation. Employers in a wide range of fields are using employer-owned health benefits plans to deliver better benefits to their employees at a lower cost. Learn more at BenefitIndemnity.co. That's BenefitIndemnity.co. See you again next week.